Today's gospel is Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, and these verses will also be the basis for our sermon. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin pledged in marriage to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But she was greatly troubled by the statement and was wondering what kind of greeting this could be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, because you have found favor with God. Listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Listen. Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, even though she was called barren. And this is her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible for God. Then Mary said, See, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. The gospel of the Lord. I've come to think of it as one of the most controversial Christmas carols out there. I don't just mean that some people like it and other people don't, because that's kind of expected. Tastes differ, and we can have different opinions, and that's all fine. I'm not thinking about the debate whether to include Santa Claus in our singing not considering whether it's appropriate to sing all 15 stanzas of a hymn or not. No, I'm talking about a Christmas carol about which I've heard, and to be totally honest, I've actually participated in debates about it. How useful it is, whether we should even consider singing it at all. Maybe you've heard of this controversy, maybe you haven't. I'll give you a clue as to where I stand. I love this Christmas carol. I think it has beautiful music, a wonderful melody. I think that it is full of profound spiritual truths and deep theology. And I find that it makes good use of a rhetorical question. Maybe that's a hint if you haven't figured it out yet. The question and the title of the Christmas carol is Mary, Did You Know? And some of that deep theological content. That little child you're holding is the great I am. When you kissed your little baby, then you've kissed the face of God. That's good stuff. Those are profound statements, and they're completely true. 
about what happened for that special baby and that special occasion. And profound statements like that are exactly why you find me firmly in the camp of pro, in favor of Mary, did you know? But I get the other argument too. I understand why some people would say, hey, we just read this section of Luke chapter 1 and obviously Mary knew. The angel came and told her. Why would we waste our time asking such a simple and obvious question as, Mary, did you know? She knew. Okay, you've got a point there also. Mary knew an awful lot. She had had this conversation with a holy angel by the name of Gabriel. And I suspect that Mary remembered every detail of that interaction for as long as she lived. Right from the very start, she knew it was something unique because who greets somebody like this? Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. You can understand why Mary would have been a little afraid of what was going on in that very moment. And the angel did his best to assuage her fear and explain and to share the, the message that he had come to share. He explained to her. She was going to become pregnant. She was going to give birth to a son. She was going to name that son Jesus and there's something else Mary would have known. She would have known probably better than we remember it, that that name means the Lord saves. She was still confused. She was a virgin. She understood how human reproduction works. So she asked for more clarification, and the angel responded and explained how God's power and the working of the Holy Spirit would accomplish this. And so the baby that would be born to her would be the Son of God, the Son of the Most High. And the angel went on with all of these, these promises about that baby sitting on David's throne, ruling over his kingdom, being ruler over God's people just like David was, except forever. An eternal king. Mary did know. Mary knew an awful lot. Now, she maybe didn't know all the details of Jesus' life. And if you have a chance to listen to the Christmas carol, there's a few things in there that, yeah, maybe she didn't know that particular. But she knew what the angel was talking about. She knew that the angel was, was referencing all sorts of prophecies and promises that God had made to send the Messiah. Prophecies about a king, about an eternal king, an eternal kingdom. She knew that this was God keeping his promise, the big promise that he had made. 
Mary knew that this was good news of great joy that was for her and for many others. And I think we can kind of sum up the good news that the angel was bringing to Mary by this phrase that he spoke to her. He said, you have found favor with God. And the word that's translated there as as favor, in other contexts as in Scripture, it's translated with the word grace. See, Mary hadn't earned this. She hadn't deserved it. She hadn't gone out and won the Nazareth beauty pageant. She wasn't chosen by God for this special role because she was particularly qualified to be a mother. She had kept herself pure leading up to her marriage, but that didn't mean that she was perfect. In fact, she wasn't. She was a sinner. She couldn't have earned this. She couldn't have deserved it. Yet you have found favor with God. Mary was chosen to be the very mother of God, the mother of the infant Savior, only because of God's amazing and wonderful and undeserved grace and love and favor that He showed toward her, a sinner. And Mary believed that the impossible was going to happen in her life for the very same reason. Because God, in His amazing love and mercy, moved her and led her to believe what His angelic messenger had said. The angel's message was repeating a message that God had shared throughout history. He had given so many promises to so many people, people who needed those promises because they were sinners. Scripture tells us the names of many of those people to whom the promises were shared. Abraham received it. Isaac, Jacob, sons of Jacob, one particular son of Jacob, well, descendant of a son of Jacob. We heard about just earlier in God's amazing promise to King David. King David. Think how God had used him in this amazing and wonderful way, had put him on the throne to lead God's people, to lead the Israelites, to do so many important and wonderful things for God's own people. But David wasn't most happy about being king. He was most happy that God promised him a Savior. That God had promised that even after David was dead and gone, one of his descendants would sit on David's throne forever. Would be the ruler of God's people eternally. That was the good news of great joy. That's what 
David held on to, just like his ancestors had. And they held on to these promises because they were sinners who needed those promises. Those promises weren't just made for the people to whom they were given. Those promises were made for a whole world of sinners just like them. That means a whole world of sinners just like you. Those promises go back all the way to our earliest ancestors. Adam and Eve heard those promises just after they had, been, they had fallen into sin and just before they were exiled from the Garden of Eden. And those same promises, that same good news was repeated for so many generations up until now. For so many generations of people who were now, for everyone born in the natural way, born just like Adam and Eve had become sinners, struggling with sin, guilty in God's eyes. And that's where you and I stand by nature as well. See, it's really easy for us to see sin in other people and say, yeah, look at this whole world of sinners. It's even easy for us to kind of go along with, well, of course I'm a sinner. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's a sinner. But really think about it for yourself. That you are the reason why your relationships don't go as smoothly as you want them to. That you are the reason why you get distracted from heavenly things, from holy things, by all sorts of distractions, and, and maybe particularly at a time like this, when there is so much meaning in our worship services and yet so much else that takes our attention, that you're the reason that there is suffering in your life or that you stop thinking about God's promises or that you give up on the good behaviors you know that He has called you to, that you are the reason that disease and death are a part of your life? With that as your background, do you want to try to earn God's favor? Do you want to try to win or attain God's love for you? Think about it this way. If God sent a holy angel to deliver a message to you, could your response possibly be anything besides fear and trembling? Or how about this? Without the good news of great joy that went to Mary and was carried out in her life, how would you like to stand before God as the perfect and holy judge? That's why we need 
that good news. That's why the good news went to Mary, but it wasn't for Mary alone. The Christmas story was about to begin in the womb of that young virgin. God was going to carry out his promise. And Mary needed to know. She needed to hear about this role, that special role that she was going to play in God's plan of salvation. And so he sent that messenger to tell her, but we needed to know it too. We needed to hear the good news of great joy that was not for Mary alone. Our vocations, the roles that we play, the time in which we live, these things are very different from those of Mary. And yet, what a wonderful thing that God comes to us and He says, you have found favor with God. And he says this to us by giving us a glimpse like this one into the good news as it was shared with Mary by his angelic messenger. But he's got so much more to show us. And he shows us Bethlehem and the stable and the manger and the swaddling clothes. And he shows us a whole host of angels singing God's praises. And he shows us the shepherds worshiping. And he shows us the magi giving their gifts. And then he shows us the bloody cross on which that infant, no longer an infant, suffered and died to take away your sins and mine and the sins of the world. And he shows us a tomb in which that Savior's body was laid, but it is there no more because he rose and he lives forever. And God says, look at this. How can you doubt that you have found favor with me? Here is your Savior. This is good news of great joy. And God moves us to respond just as Mary did and to say, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you have said. You know, I'm not the only one who has noticed the controversy regarding the Christmas carol, Mary, Did You Know?, it didn't take me a whole lot of research to find that debates about the value of that song and its meaning have, have been going on pretty much as long as that song has been around. But one of the debates that I don't think about a whole lot that I ran across came from those people who object to this line of the song, the child that you delivered will soon deliver you. And the reason that 
people debate this so much is they've taken hold of a Roman Catholic false teaching that says that Mary was born without sin, that she didn't need a Savior. It doesn't take that careful a reading of Scripture to figure out that that was not the case. To hear Mary rejoicing in her salvation and in her Savior. But think about it this way also. If you take away the deliverance that this child came to bring, well, then you take away the good news and you take away the great joy. Let's not take away from the good news or the great joy. Let's see our need for deliverance in our sinfulness. And then let us thank God that He has given us that good news of great joy. That He has shown us all His promises and He has shown us their fulfillment and that He continues to come to us to assure us. You have found favor with God. May you have a very blessed and merry Christmas. Amen.